everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host, Evan Wittalison, and the date of recording is Thursday, March 25th, 2021. So doing this show a little different today. I am on Facebook Live on my Talking Sports with Evan page. So if you do want to interact with me live during the show, you can uh, go to Facebook and uh, when I do record an episode, you can go to Facebook and uh, join in on the conversation. So lots to discuss, lots to talk about, lots going on um, in the world of sports, especially with the Green Bay Packers. So today's show, we're going to talk Packers, going to talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers and uh, what is going on with his contract. Will it end ugly and talk about what the benefits and cons are to either extending or um, restructuring them or leaving it as it is. Kevin King is returning to the Packers on a one-year deal. Going to talk a little bit about that and why I am uh, going against the popular opinion. I think it's a smart move to bring Kevin King back, especially for how little they are paying for him. Mercedes Lewis is back. Um, Talk about why that's good. And now with... The Packers not really signing anybody outside of the organization except for a long snapper. Um, I'm going to talk about my concerns still for their roster, where they can still use some help, where they could still address some needs. And I'm also going to uh, talk about with the NFL draft coming up shortly, talk about some draft crushes that I have. Um Guys in the draft, if they fell to 29 or if the Packers were to, you know, maybe trade up a few picks and take, I wouldn't mind so much. I'm going to talk about that a little bit too. Milwaukee Bucks had a trade um, late last week. Uh, I'll talk about the impact P.J. Tucker could have the remainder of the year. Bucks on an eight-game winning streak. Uh, defense has improved. Talk about that. And then uh, we're a week away from opening day and I'm going to discuss um, opening day and the rules that are going to be in effect at AmFam Field, um, formerly Miller Park, when the Brewers open up next week, a week from recording um, against the Minnesota Twins. So again, if you are listening uh, to the show, I typically record every week around this time. Um, Wednesday or Thursdays, try to anyways, um, right around 6.30, 7 o'clock-ish. So if you want to, you know, follow me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan, like the page, and when I come live, you can watch the show live and interact with me and make comments or whatever you want to do um, during the show. So um, with that said... Thank you for those that are spending the time listening to my show. You can find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. Um, email me, TalkingSportsWithEvan.com. And, uh, yeah, so you can email me, TalkingSportsWithEvan.com. And I talked about Facebook already. So first topic of the day, Green Bay Packers, and more importantly, Aaron Rodgers. So Friday show. And I talked about this Friday, but Friday's show, I talked about it, and the Packers had a deadline for Friday to either give Aaron Rodgers his $6 million roster bonus or convert it to a signing bonus and 
basically kicked the can down the road a little bit, which is essentially what the Packers did with Preston Smith, with Ladarius Smith, with Adrian Amos, with Mason Crosby, and also in a way with Aaron Jones. By re-signing him, it's more back-loaded than front-loaded. So they can get out of that contract after two years before any big money kicks in. And they do the same thing with Kevin King. So they're basically kicking the can down the road. And they they could have done this with Rodgers. Doing it with Rodgers would have given them a lot more cap room to work with to maybe bring in a guy from the outside. Instead, they left his bonus alone. Decided we're just not going to touch it. We're going to give it to him, and we're going to keep the contract how it is right now. Now the Packers have a choice. They can either restructure his contract, the base salary, which would free them, I want to say, up to $9 million in cap room, which they may have to do anyways in order to sign their, uh, their rookies after they draft them. But they can always do that, or they can extend them and move some of the money towards the back end of the contract. And if you remember right, if you remember back when the Packers were doing their end of the season, uh, their press conference following their Tampa Bay loss. Aaron Rodgers came on and talked about how he doesn't know when his time's going to be up. It's out of his control. And everyone was thinking that, well, this isn't good, myself included. Then you have Matt LaFleur spoke to the media following the loss. And damn right I want him back as my quarterback. Hell yeah, I want him back as my quarterback regarding Aaron Rodgers. And I didn't think much of it then. But in conversations I've had with other people and thinking about it now, that comment by Matt LaFleur, it was not intended for you or I as a fan. That comment from Matt LaFleur, I believe, was directed right at the Packer front office. It was directed at... Mark Murphy, it was directed at Gunkust to that. I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of see the picture, the, the, the big picture, the, the writing on the wall. When you draft a quarterback in the first round, you trade up to take. And you have a high-profile, high-priced um, veteran quarterback. Um. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the long-term plan by the GM is to move on sooner rather than later to his guy, the guy he drafted. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So I think that's where Matt LaFleur's comment was directed to. It was directed at Goot and Murphy. And the fact that now we're two weeks in the free agency or a week in the free agency, I'm sorry, um, a free agency officially started a week ago yesterday. Um, the legal tampering period were about two uh, from the start of that. We're almost two weeks in. Um, again, the Packers haven't touched this contract. They could easily move some money around and get a little bit more money to go sign people. But we've seen with the moves the Packers have made what their plan is and that is we made it to two straight NFC championship games other than Corey Lindsley let's keep it together this season 
make another run and see what happens. And if they don't go to the Super Bowl, they don't win the Super Bowl, they may blow it all up. If they do win the Super Bowl, they may blow it all up. Because right now the Packers are looking at being roughly before the Kevin King signing, uh, re-signing, and the Mercedes Lewis re-signing. They're looking at about $40 million over the cap next year. With if you move Rodgers' contract next year, if you leave it alone and move it, they clear $22 million in cap space by moving him. So he has almost a $40 million uh, cap number next year. If they move money around, it's going to go over 40 and then they can't move them. But if they don't touch it, they can move them and clear about $22 million of cap space by doing so. So that's last week's show if you listened, and you can listen to anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, um, you name it, you can find it. You can find it on my, my Twitter page too, talking uh, Evan Witt Sports on Twitter. It's my pinned tweet it'll be up for um basically until i get this show posted if you are watching facebook live um i talked about it that i was about 80 percent sure that we are seeing the final year possibly years of aaron Rodgers leading the green bay packers and until they do something with this contract that's what i'm going to believe because the writing's on the wall and could they trade him after the 2021 season? If he wins another MVP, it'll be very hard to sell. If he has a near MVP, if he puts up MVP type numbers, it'll be hard to sell. But I don't think Goop was expecting Rodgers to completely turn into or back into what he did following two, well, one, one he uh, you know, had played with a broken leg. Um, but two subpar years for his standard. Good probably thought if there's another subpar year from Rodgers, then they can just uh, quietly move him out and move Jordan Love in. And Good's been looking for his guy for a while. He almost drafted Drew Locke at number 12 overall. He took Rashawn Gary instead. And then a pick right before Green Bay in the second round Drew Locke got taken. If Drew Locke is there, do the Packers take Elton Jenkins? I don't know. Of course, if they would have taken Drew Locke in the second round two seasons ago, we, as a fan base, probably wouldn't be as frustrated, as upset than trading up in the first round to take a quarterback. But, And look, I get the frustration. I get it. I understand. Um, Packer fans, we're a, a, a rare breed. Um, we we have, uh, you know, I'm not a shareholder, but most Packer fans that I run to, we, we have a sense of ownership to the team and to the city. So I get it. I get where I get Packer fans are upset. I, I'm going to be upset, too, if this is, in fact, what I think it is, which would be likely Rodgers' last year as a Packer. And the question is, will it end ugly? Will it end ugly? Yeah. <laughs> I know Rodgers wants to be the anti-Brett Favre. We all remember how the, the Brett Favre-Packer relationship ended back in 2008. March 2008, we remember the 
the the press conference um uh, Brett Favre held crying talking about how his football days were done and then a couple months later he wants back in and then he gets traded to the Jets and then uh forces his way to the uh, forces his way to being released by the Jets and then signs with the Vikings just so he could spite the Packers. Rodgers wants to be the anti-Favre. He doesn't want to go out that way. He wants to finish his career as a Packer, and I would love to see him finish his career as the Packer. The Packer fan in me wants him. The sports management major in me kind of understands the reasons why Goot could be going to the direction he wants to go to. Because Rodgers makes up about 20% of the salary cap. That number is going to go up next year. If you want to build a winning team, it's hard to win a Super Bowl when your quarterback is taking up that much money of the salary cap. I want to say the 2011, um, 2012 Ravens is the last time um, a quarterback has won the Super Bowl by having that much of the salary cap uh, with their salary. And Goot wants to build a team around Jordan Love and maybe spend a little bit more money in other positions because now you're paying a quarterback on a rookie contract. And after that rookie contract, unless he proves to be another Aaron Rodgers, um, his second contract, if he does get one with Green Bay, is not going to be that high. And that's what I think Goot wants to do. And again, the sports management side of me kind of understands that, kind of gets that. Um, but the fan in me is kind of mad about that. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they extend or restructure his contract between now and the draft. I think that will go a long way in telling what the Packers' long-term plans are. Um, but I did already talk about the cons of the restructuring or the extending. I kind of jumped out of order on my outline. But the, the pros is you're keeping Aaron Rodgers around longer. You're basically, if you extend him, if you restructure him, he wants to play into, into his 40s, you're basically assuring that he is going to be the quarterback of your team until he retires. And another con, Rodgers is 37, turning 38 in December. There's been, and I know more, more and more guys are playing longer. Like Tom Brady is getting closer to his middle 40s. Um, I get that. But anytime you get a player in the NFL, even baseball and basketball, into their late 30s, typically into the mid 30s, you tend to see a drop off in their production. And when they fall, they fall hard. So, and that's why you go sometimes at the expression. It's better to move a player a year too early than a year too late. Um, think back to 2012, Donald Driver. 2010, 2011, Donald Driver, still a great wide receiver for the Packers. He's, he's always been a fan favorite, but then 2012 rolls around. He wasn't the same anymore. He couldn't get open anymore. Teams knew if they just covered him man coverage, he wasn't going to beat them. And there was a lot of games in 2012 that he just wasn't active anymore because he wasn't offering you anything in the passing game anymore. And for me, that was painful to watch. But we've also seen them cut Julius Peppers after three very strong years, let Julius Peppers go, and he ended up having a couple more strong years after that. 
Charles Woodson they release, and he ends up having a couple strong years after that. But the Packers' mantra is they would rather move a player a year too soon than wait till it's too late. So, moving on, Kevin King coming back to Green Bay on a one-year prove-it deal. Me, personally, I'm okay with it. Because, look, Kevin King's 26 years old. The Packers know him inside and out. They probably figure it's going to be easy to teach him the new scheme than to bring in a 32, 33-year-old Richard Sherman, Casey Hayward, Patrick Peterson, or uh, uh, Malcolm Butler. Figure it'd be easier to bring somebody who knows the team, knows the personnel, knows the guys around him, knows the coaching staff aside from the new defensive coordinator. Better to bring him back on a one-year deal than bring somebody else, uh, a veteran in from outside the organization. I get that too. There's a lot to like about Kevin King. There's a lot not to like about him too, but he's tall. He's, he has, you know, you can't really, it's hard to throw over him. Um, when he's healthy, he plays pretty damn good, but that's the key when he's healthy, which hasn't happened for the most part, except for 2019. But we've seen kind of a Jekyll and Hyde of Kevin King. 2017, the year he was drafted, turns out he had a bad shoulder, needed surgery, and only played a handful of games. 2018, played pretty well. In my opinion, in 2018, he played pretty well until he got hurt. 2019, he played, 15, I want to say, 15 out of 16 games. And to me, he played at a high level. And then 2020, he was in and out of the lineup due to injury. He was inconsistent. His tackling could have been better. He did get better toward the end of the year at tackling. He wasn't afraid to attack the line of scrimmage. But he still has lapses where he gets beat over the top. And when you're a guy with his height, you should not be beating him over the top. We saw against San Francisco back in, I want to say, 2018. Yeah, it was uh, McCarthy's last year. In 2018... They try going over, San Francisco tries going over the top against King, and King is able to uh, get the interception. And in reality, that pretty much sparked the Packers' comeback in that game because at that point, the Packers are getting their ass whooped. And that interception pretty much sparked the comeback, and the Packers end up winning on a field goal. So we've seen the good of Kevin King. We've seen the bad of Kevin King. Well... Just because the Packers, and King also offers experience, too. He's been around since 2017. Um, you, you give yourself cover because, more than likely, the Packers are going to take a corner in the first and or second round. More than likely. I'm going to give a couple names in a little bit who I personally would like. But they're likely taking a corner. Corner Rookie corners have quite the learning curve. So basically you have King as a security blanket to help one of the young guys they draft, hopefully two, um, until they're ready. And then obviously Jackson's a wild card. Jackson did okay when King was out. The scheme the Packers are likely switching to in terms of coverage might better suit Jackson than Mike Pettin's scheme. 
So I wouldn't be quite ready to give up on Josh Jackson yet. But again, he's the wild card. If he can step up, and he has a one-year kid, one year left on his contract. I'm sure he wants to earn a second contract in the NFL. Same goes for Kevin King. He wants to earn a long-term contract in the NFL. It's now the ball's in their court. Either they put up and they earn their way to new contracts after this season, or the NFL door might just shut on them and they're done. So for those watching me on Facebook Live, you wonder why I got the headset on. I I talk with my hands a lot, as you can see. Um, And I don't have one of those fancy, cool podcast microphones. Um, I have a microphone I I would pretty much have to hold by hand. And when you talk with your hands, it's difficult to hold a microphone. But I'm also recording into Adobe Edition um, into, you know, my computer so I can post this uh, a little bit later. So a little behind the scenes stuff and all those listening the podcast, not seeing me, but for those that might be watching the Facebook live video, that's why I got the headset. So moving on, Packers also bring back Mercedes Lewis, the big dog. And that's a great thing too, because he's a great blocker. The other tight ends on your roster don't do what he does. He can take out, you know, he, he pancaked. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul in the NFC Championship game, he whooped his ass in the championship game on a couple of running plays. That's what Mercedes Lewis does. He still offers you a lot blocking. He can still come up with the catch every now and then, um, you know, a, a big third down target. And he's a good locker room guy. The team loves him. You know, Mike, Matt LaFleur loves him. Aaron Rodgers loves him. And like I said, there's no one on the roster to do what he can do. And it's still no guarantee Big Bob Tanyan's going to be back. They gave him a second-round uh, tender. So a team could theoretically sign him to a contract. And if the Packers decide not to match, then they get a second-round pick. So it's very unlikely somebody will put an offer in on Tanyan. But it's no guarantee he's coming back. And, and behind Tanyan, and I love Jay Sternberger. Don't get me wrong. Big fan of his. But he's had two concussions now in the NFL. He's had a foot injury while in the NFL. He's not shown that he can stay on the field. And Josiah DeGara has played in two games. And both of those games, he left hurt. Ankle injury week one, blew out his ACL against Atlanta. His first game back. So you don't really know what you have behind him. And Daphne... Made some nice plays, but I'm not going to chalk him up being tight end two quite yet. I think Daphne still has some, a ways to go before he's going to be a dependent upon number two tight end. I would love to see it because I think he, you know, he seems like a, a high character guy from just watching him uh, interact on social media and appear in a couple podcasts from other people that I watch and listen to. But I don't think he's quite ready yet to take on the full-time number two role. So now Aaron Jones is back. Mercedes Lewis is back. Kevin King is back. Preston Smith is staying. Zadaria Smith is staying. Billy Turner is staying. Adrian Amos is staying. <clears throat> Rick Wagner has gone. Kirksey's now in Houston. So what do the Packers do now? 
what do they have to address yet on this team in order to get back to the NFC Championship game and then ultimately to the Super Bowl? Corner is still a need because you have Alexander on one side. Outside of him, you have Chandler Sullivan, who hasn't, he didn't have a great 2020 season. You have Jackson, who's been up and down. You have Kevin King, who we just got done talking about. Um, and then you got Holman, who you drafted last year, who is unproven. You need more talent in that room. You need more talent opposite Alexander to be a true shutdown unit. And maybe it means moving Darnell Savage, playing him more at, as that star corner, which is that slot, um, it's that slot corner uh, in, like, in their uh, nickel and dime packages. But then you need another safety. To, to report you know to take over when savage is playing corner so there's options the corner but i still think it needs to be addressed i think wide receiver needs to be addressed the packers have nobody under contract at the wide receiver position as of this point following the 2021 season Devontae is a free agent i'm sure a contract extension is coming but Devontae is a free agent mvs is a free agent eq is a free agent they're all free agents and MVS still has to get more consistent. Um, he, he showed a lot of stride. EQ, it's put up a shut-up time for him. If he can stay fully healthy, he can tr- hopefully show us what he truly has. A great athlete, but other than his rookie year, hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm still a big EQ fan. Apologize, you know, I don't care if you think that's, you know, that's dumb to still be a fan of his, but I think if he's healthy, he has the ability to do some stuff for you. And I know we have that image in, in our head of him dropping that two-point conversion, just like we have Kevin King being beat right before halftime against Tampa Bay. That's going to be hard to get out of our head. But guess what? It's their job now to get that image out of our head by doing what they do on the football field. Um, Lazard, uh, and you still got Alan Lazard too. But I still think they should probably draft a wide receiver at some point in the second, third, or fourth round. Linebacker. Inside linebacker. Right now, you have Kamal Martin, fifth-round pick last year, and Chris Barnes, undrafted rookie free agent from last year. Those are your middle linebackers. Those are the guys that you are paying to be your middle linebackers in this Joe Barry scheme, Joe Barry system. Are they the answer? And when they finally were both healthy, they both showed you promise. But Martin tends to come in out of control sometimes. Barnes is a tough SOB that will play through injuries. But you definitely also need some more at the linebacker position. And I'm going to touch on a linebacker that I'm very fond of um, coming up pretty soon. And then offensive line, you still need to help. You need reinforcements on the offensive line. Corey Lindsley's gone. He's in L.A. Um, who's going to play center? Is it Lucas Patrick? Is it Elton Jenkins? If that's the case, you're weaker at one of the guard spots now. Your depth isn't as strong. I know John uh, John Runyon Jr. showed some promise playing the guard position last year. But is he ready to be a full-time starter? That's the question. If you move Jenkins inside or Patrick inside, now you got to put him in the starting lineup, but now you have a lack of depth behind them. And guess what? Bakhtiari 
is likely not going to be ready week one. So who's going to play left tackle? Are you going to put Jenkins out at left tackle? Are you going to put Turner out at left tackle? Who then plays right tackle? If Jenkins plays left, then you can play Turner at right or vice versa. But then again, you have a weak guard spot and a weak center spot. So offensive line definitely needs to be addressed. Definitely. They need to be addressed um, as well. So before I move on the Milwaukee Bucks, I don't think I'm going to get the Brewers today. But before I move on the Milwaukee Bucks, the NFL draft is coming up at the end of April. The teams are having, uh, well, the college teams are having pro days right now. Um, Packers have been to quite a few. Um, kind of have a bit of a rant to talk about in regards to the pro days anyways. And we need the NFL combine back. Because some of the numbers they're showing up at the com- at these pro days, I can't, there's no way. There's no way that's, uh, you know, a 260-pound edge guy for Penn State running a 40 and 438. I, I, I don't think so. Is he, is he quick? Yes. But he's probably closer to a 445, which is still fast, but not a 438. Um, one of their other linebackers ran in the 4.3s as well. I, I don't buy that. He he's fast. He's an athlete, but again, he's probably more in the four 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 five range, not four threes. So the combine, it's electronically timed, and then that is the time they get they get knocked docked away. That's that is their time, and that's why you see some guys after they run a slower forty, oh I I was hurt, or they don't run it all together because they're more comfortable running it at their team's pro day. Because they know the, the the environment better. So, draft. There's a few guys at number 29 when the Packers take that I would be a big fan of if the, if the draft fell to them this way or if they traded up a few spots for some of these guys. First guy, linebacker Xavion Collins from Tulsa. He's about 6'5", 6'6", 260, and he can run. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy. He's a sure tackler. He's lengthy in coverage. He's pretty athletic, pretty fast. And put him next to Barnes and and or Martin, depending on who else they put put uh, next to him, that's going to be a pretty hard-hitting front seven on the defense. Still got to address defensive line, which I guess I forgot to mention. My apologies. Um, Asante Samuel Jr., son of former NFL uh, New England Patriot, Asante Samuel from Florida State. Same size as Alexander, but that dude can play. And he commented that it's not about the it's not about the, the size of the bark in the dog. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. And he's got fight in him. He reminds me a lot of uh, Alexander. Put him on the other side. Have Savage play that star spot. That's pretty good secondary. Jace Horn, corner South Carolina. Son of Joe Horn, former Saints wide receiver. Another guy, he's, he's, he's fast, he's long. Um, he seems that he would be a good fit in this defense. Jumping to the offensive side of the ball for a minute, offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. Put him over on the right side, and then you just got to worry about either between Turner and Jenkins who's playing left tackle. I think he could be your, left ta- your right tackle long term. And then Christian Barmore, defensive tackle from Alabama. Packers have Kenny Clark, possibly Kiki, uh, Kingsley Kiki as a 
up-and-comer and literally nothing else. Uh, Lancaster's not coming back. Dean Lowry has not lived up to the contract that they give him. They gave him, and they they need to upgrade there. If you're keeping him on the roster, fine. I'm not a Dean Lowry guy. I think he, he seems like he's a, a try. Hard, he's going to try his his best out there. He's going to give maximum effort. But in order to go from the NFC Championship game to the Super Bowl, we need something a little better than effort. We need plays to be made. And Barmore is a guy who does like to freelance sometimes, but Barmore is a guy that will play. He's not afraid to get down and dirty. He's not afraid to stick, you know, stuff the run game. And he is not a bad pass rusher, too, from the interior. Put him and the Smiths and uh, Gary Clark, those guys together, that's a pretty scary front seven with uh, um, Martin and Barnes behind. So... Those are names in the first round that I'm pretty high on. Greg, uh, Greg Newsom is another name to keep an eye on um, as well. But the other guys who I would love, Patrick Sertain, the third, likely not falling that far. So, moving on, Milwaukee Bucks. The NBA tra- trade deadline has passed. The Bucks are looking more likely going to go through the buyout market. Austin Rivers, uh Son of uh, Doc Rivers, his name is thrown, being thrown around as possible uh, buyout option for the Bucks. I've seen George Teague's name thrown around, but that's the avenue the Bucks are going to have to go to add a player or two for their roster for the postseason. They did make one trade, uh, two trades technically, but they made two trades. One, they moved uh, um, one of their free agents from this past offseason. They moved him to Phoenix for money which gives them the opportunity to get guys in the buyout market. And then they moved DJ Wilson and DJ Augustine and a first-round pick to Houston for P.J. Tucker and a first-round pick. And, yes, I know, what, what do you mean the Bucs traded a first-round pick? They, didn't, they couldn't. They weren't allowed to. But because they got a first-round pick back in return, they could move on. But P.J. Tucker, under, he is undersized, but that dude can play defense. Saw against Boston last night. Um, saw what he could do defensively. He stopped a few plays uh, from things from happening. And he's going to offer you some pretty uh, tough interior defense, especially if they go small ball, put Giannis at the five, Tucker at the four, Middleton at the three. They can always put Portis at the five, Giannis at the four, uh, Tucker at the three, and I mean, at the, uh, yeah, at the three and Middleton at the two. Then you got Holiday at the one. That'd be a pretty uh, pr- a pretty quick, uh, tough lineup to, to cover. Um, Tucker just opens so many options up. If you want to go small and go quicker, you can put him in over Brooke Lopez. You can also put him on the court with Brooke Lopez. He's a guy that's not afraid to screen. He's a guy that's not afraid to do the pick and roll. He's not afraid to fight through a screen. And he can nail corner threes as as well. So Tucker, great addition for the Bucks. Now the question is, does he make them the favorites in the Eastern Conference? Or is that still the Nets and 76ers? And I I think to me, and maybe it's my my homerism in me, um, I think the Bucks are pretty much exactly on par with the Nets and the Sixers. Those are your top three teams in the East, without a shadow of a doubt. But I think the Bucks are right there with them. I don't know if they're quite 
above the Nets or the 76ers, but they're, to me, they're on even, even shelf. I think Tucker gives them a chance to beat both teams. Um, the Nets don't play defense at all. The 76ers, well, they're without Embiid right now. Um, but I think Tucker gives them a fair shot to beat the Nets or end or the 76ers in the Eastern Conference to get to the NBA Finals. Right now, if the playoffs started today, the Bucks would be a two seed after their win against Boston. Eight, eighth straight win. And why are the Bucks playing so well right now? Simple. And I've ranted about this. I've talked to Tristan uh, Thomas about this a couple weeks ago. Consistency is what hurt the defense. What I wanted to see in the second half of the season, I wanted to see the Bucks more consistent. And guess what? Since the All-Star break, the Bucks' defense is top five in the NBA. They've now moved into the top ten um, over the course of the last several weeks. Holiday's finally fully back healthy. You got Tucker. Giannis is playing like the MVP that we know he is, but unfortunately he won't stand a chance to win it this year. But he should. Um, Giannis is playing lights out. Middleton's been more consistent. And defensively, like I said, the Bucks are playing much better defensively. And that is why they've won eight straight. They're getting hot right now. The Lakers have their injury issues in the West. So the West is, to me, wide open right now. In the East, you have the Bucks, 76ers, and the Nets competing for the, the represent Eastern Conference. The Bucks fan in me wants to see the Bucks go, and that's what I hope happens. But we'll see come playoff time. This is the Bucks. Well, I know the so the last two years they won in as the one seed in the East. Two years prior to that, yes, they made the playoffs, but they weren't the team they are right now. So hopefully they can take that next step and kick butt and advance to the finals. We'll see. So with that, I wanted to talk to Milwaukee Brewers, but I hate going over 30 minutes, and we're at 38 minutes right now. So I think I'm going to save the Brewers for next week. I usually record Wednesday or Thursday. I think I'll record next Tuesday so I can talk Milwaukee Brewers a little bit with some time between the show and opening day, which is a week from tonight, the time of my recording. So again, as I mentioned beginning of the show, you can email me, talkingsportswithevan at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at EvanWithSports. You can find me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan and I will be proceeding to go live during every single one of my show. So if you want to join me live, watch it live as I record, you're welcome to. And then you can comment in the comments, the ones that have been here watching Cindy, Phyllis, Erica, thank you for um, uh, watching a little bit and you can comment, you can ask questions. You can tell me I'm an idiot. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but with that said, until next week, hope you all have a safe rest of your week, rest of your weekend, and I will talk to you all later.